0: Casey Must and you are listening to After Class. I'm the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga in Detroit and Cleveland. After Class is our podcast where we talk in greater depth about topics that maybe we bring up in class. It's a greater look into our teachers. It's a greater look into the stories within our community and the whole effort is to uplift and bring more positivity in the studio and outside of the studio. Today, you're listening to uh, our section called Heart of the Room, and Heart of the Room is really about us uh, featuring our teachers and giving our students a greater look, not just into their teaching, uh, but into their lives. So our our guest today is Justina. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if I've known Justina for a really long time, I feel like now, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. It's it, been like five years, six years Yeah. Five,
0: yeah. And you know... I'm, I call her G. <laughs> um, and her, your, your Instagram handle always changes. It's right? been the same for a while now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's gone through all these different transformations. Yeah. I, I, in some ways today, uh, transformation is our theme. Yeah. A little bit. Definitely. And how we transform ourselves yeah. um, through practice, through our own life uh, journey and how we transform our outer community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, welcome. Absolutely. So Thank happy you. to have you. So happy to be here. It's like one hour of time to be together. <laughs> yeah. So um, I typically start with this question with teachers particularly. Um, what is your personal mission?
1: Personal mission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely uplift the uplift the community. Um, I really want to encourage people to come together. Uh I, whether that's through yoga, outside of yoga, in a social atmosphere or not, uh, I just think that we live in a culture that can make us feel really isolated, um, especially with times of social media. Um, so it's really my mission to bring people together and to connect. And ways to do that besides teaching, still developing concrete mm-hmm. ways in which I'm I'm doing that. Um, but in the meantime, through teaching.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So how does... So you sort of answered it, but... It expresses in your life. I know you do multiple things outside of teaching. Can mm-hmm. you can you list a few of them yeah. um, and how your personal mission is fulfilled through your action?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cooking, for sure, hands down. Um, I just love bringing people together over a dinner table uh, conversation. So that's a, a pursuit that I'm just in the beginning stages of. I don't want to give out too much info just yet. Cool. Um, <laughs> and besides that... Um, I really just enjoy being around different types of people that I can really learn from, Um, especially people that are outside of what might be familiar or what I might consider as normal. I like to try to push the boundary and, and, you know, step outside of our own comforts, you know, my own comforts and limitations. Um, So, yeah. More on a personal level, individually. Great. And I think we'll we'll go into that more as we move
0: through this. Of yeah. how do you step out of what's familiar? Yeah. Um. What keeps us in familiar, and how do we push that boundary? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So how has citizen impacted your life in every <laughs> in every
1: way? That's a very loaded
0: question. I think for all of us.
1: <laughs> I think my face said it all, but okay. you couldn't you couldn't have seen that one, but. Uh, I mean, honestly, and, and mental health awareness is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so, so the citizen's value system was already really aligned with mine when I started going there, um, and it's changed my life and, and affected my life in so many ways, especially in the sense of personal accountability. You know, um, I, I one major life lesson that I learned in my experience with citizen, my experience went from yoga student, experience manager massage therapist yoga instructor many different roles (laughs) so a full citizen journey yeah full journey Um, but really accountability for showing up for myself. And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like Citizen and Casey, you do a really (laughs) great job at, um, pushing us to be nothing but ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that really is the, the support and the honesty and raw atmosphere that I really need. So thank you.
0: Oh, (laughs) but it's everybody. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to, to be yourself? Like, how do you, I think that that's something as teachers, we hear a lot. Mm -hmm. It's probably the hardest. I mean, I know that you and I've done feedback together and talked Mm -hmm. about, like, we want to see you, not this like performed sense of you. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some things that you've done or uh, ways that you mentally coach yourself into becoming more you?
1: I spent a lot of time not being me. So Mm. I I tend to just return to that and how that felt. If I ever question, you know, we go through those moments where we're like, am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that? So when that like negative self-talk starts to come in, then, you know, I think about and remind myself of the times that I was more of a people pleaser or, you know, more just trying to like fit in and how I felt then compared to how I felt now. Um, so, you know, I think just it's really important to just speak your truth. Um, and I think that when you're speaking your truth, honestly, the universe works itself out around you um, because you're not just like essentially like regurgitating something that you've heard, but you're speaking from the heart. And then from there, people are drawn in people that are meant to be in your lives are drawn into you because it's from a place of truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, you know,
0: when I was opening the studio, I was so afraid Um to do it and a lot of people were sort of naysayers around alignment particularly back then Mm that's six and a half years ago and I remember feeling I was 29 years old really isolated in the community of yoga actually and I also was like okay well what's my mission and what's my truth and if I stick to that then I'm going to be protected like, I, I don't know what that protection really means. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's clarity of right action or it's clarity of who I want around me. But I understand what you're saying. It's it's like everything organizes to be in your favor when you're aligned with your truth. Yeah. And that takes effort. But I, I totally
1: get that piece. Yeah. And showing up for yourself and continuously showing up for yourself, even when it's challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you feel like you don't want to you know even even if I feel defeated still still arriving and what that looks like because truth isn't always pretty you know
0: (laughs) or maybe not always pretty maybe uh we can think of it too like it's not always what you expect yeah from yourself and it's not what you what other people expect from you right right and I know that you've been through um a great transformation. Yeah. I can tell whoever's listening, I, I witnessed it uh, <laughs> before we even came on this podcast. I was t- telling G, like, is it okay if, I, if we talk about your transformation? Because uh, to me, it was one of the most profound transformations that I've witnessed as uh, being in the citizen community. Um, which is really cool to see somebody's personality shine. Mm -hmm. You go from like agitated, frustrated, to Mm -hmm. like this beautiful expression of creativity and kindness and compassion and all these wonderful things. Thank you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) We're basically going to have
0: an appreciation circle right now, but it's (laughs) only Justina and I, and you're listening. Um, So can you talk to me about your journey to yoga?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) So... My mom, growing up, was practicing yoga, so I was exposed to it at a younger age. And so that really inspired me to want to try it out. But it Mm -hmm. was fear kept holding me back. So it was something I thought about for many years. (laughs) Like, I'm going to try yoga one day, one of these years. Um, Finally went. And the first time I took a class, it was a community class in the Guardian building, Um, this was about, oh my gosh, 11 years now. And after that, I was like, I don't know what that was. I was terrified. I was like, I'm not doing that again. I felt so uncomfortable. Um, so it wasn't until two years later that I stepped back onto my mat and, um, that was while living in Chicago. And it was forest yoga that really brought me in and anchored me into the practice. And if you're not familiar with forest yoga, a lot of the alignment lineages are Iyengar based. Mm -hmm. Um, but the message behind forest yoga is very, um, strongly rooted in connecting with the self and processing emotions and really peeling back those layers, um, layers of conditioning or experiences. Um, so you can really tap into your inner truth. So I stepped back onto my mat with that practice. And then once I moved back to Detroit, there really wasn't much to choose from. Yeah, I mean, so I, I did what was accessible at the time, but it wasn't fueling my fire like Forrest did for me, and mm-hmm. um, like Alignment did for me, and and when Citizen opened downtown, I was like there, I was ready. The first few days that that you opened, and uh, since then, I, it's it's been nothing short of a transformation, really. I mean. First, I feel like back then my practice was so different than what it is now. It felt like more of an external experience. And I think that that's just rooted in my past history of being more of a people pleaser um, due to moving around a lot and just kind of starting new again. It kept me sort of like in this like fight or flight state of mind Mm -hmm. where there was like constantly new beginnings and changes. And but yoga for me was like that consistent space that I could always return home to like the self. Um, so one citizen came up, I knew I wanted to do training when I, when I was practicing in Chicago, but I didn't quite know where. And the, the value system was very in line with, um, you know, what I'm passionate about. So. Did the teacher training at Citizen and, of course, was like, I would love to teach at Citizen and <laughs> thought that that would happen overnight. And Casey's like, um, no, you're not ready without <laughs> saying that. <laughs> and I oh, was like, no. OK, that's fine. I'm going to go find myself elsewhere and um during that time I mean I realized then and and now more than ever that damn she was right
0: (laughs) (laughs) you might have hated me in that
1: moment it really enforced some self-reflection because like at the same time you know I was like exploring different thought processes and, and philosophies of like you know, not taking things personally. So it's like, okay, what's the root of this? What's actually happening? So so it might've felt uncomfortable at the time, but like, I am really, really grateful for that. Forever yeah. grateful. I
0: think that that's something uh, very hard that, that I try to hold. And maybe I don't always do it perfectly for sure. I definitely don't do anything perfectly, but um, I think when we do auditions, which is a very hard process, um, people come in expecting like, oh yeah, here you are. And it's sometimes to people's frustration that I I will say like, okay, it's not time, you're not ready. And it doesn't always have to do with like your teaching ability. Sometimes it's, you know, where you are in your life or in in setting people up for success. Like Mm -hmm. if I put you on the schedule at a certain time, you might not do well. And that breaks your relationship to citizen. And to me, the priority is first and foremost, your relationship as a student, not your relationship as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was something that, you know, I hold most sacred mm-hmm. more than just like, okay, everybody wants, not everybody wants a teacher, but the people who do want to teach here. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that, you know, there was some growth in, 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 you. When you talk about when you were afraid to start yoga, can you talk sort of about why you were afraid? Cause I think that that's a very common sentiment that mm-hmm. people share I think doing something for the first time is scary no matter what like I went skiing as an adult for the first time four years ago or three years ago and I was like okay capture this I'm so awkward walking in these boots and then I'm in this lesson with like children like (laughs) bending my knees and like you know doing spaghetti and like they call it like my skis are together you like spaghetti and like (laughs) then you spritz when you turn and I was like okay like surrender like feel silly because this is how people come into our yoga studio like me skiing is them yoga Mm -hmm. and I just had to like embrace my own silly self Mm -hmm. um so maybe talk a little bit before when you went into the guardian building what were you afraid of
1: well, yeah, that's exactly how I feel when I try to go to the gym by the way. Oh. <laughs> I hope you're not wearing ski equipment when you go to the gym, but definitely not okay. <laughs> um what was I afraid of? I was afraid of being vulnerable i mean i was I was stuck in that fight or flight state that kept this kept this protective sheath, this barrier in between myself, my inner self, and the world around me so i I mean stepping into a room of unfamiliarity is one of the most vulnerable things that someone can do and and that's why really like in my classes that's what I want to provide for people is a safe space that allows them to become vulnerable this is this is your space to tap into yourself you know, I'm here to guide that, but this, this is your journey and, and how, whatever that looks like, whatever that feels like it's yours and it's beautiful.
0: How do you do that as, um, like actionable items as a teacher? Cause I'm sure that there are teachers listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that our team does um, exceptionally well is, or at least our intention is to do it exceptionally well, which is take some, I call it disarming discomfort as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. And so what are some things if some a students coming to your class for the first time that you do as a teacher that disarms
1: that discomfort. I'm vulnerable as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So whether it's sharing a little piece of myself or maybe telling them a little bit about when I first started, Mm -hmm. or, you know, also just encouraging them that this is not a visual practice, you know, it's a sensational practice. Great. Yeah. Uh, Going, which
0: sort of leads us to that other piece that you had mentioned, which is some days, practice is external Mm -hmm. and some days the practice is internal and if you're a newer practitioner that might not make sense Mm -hmm. but I know that allowing ourselves to go through these seasons of how we practice like some days I just go on the mat and I'm very external in my thinking and there really isn't that surrender piece that comes Mm -hmm. and some days I feel super internal what is can we describe that to like to people
1: listening what what would what would what does an external practice feel like to you? An external practice to me feels like a lot of looking outside or seeking validation through the physical experience mm-hmm. more so than the breath and mind experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A visual could also include comparing the mm-hmm. self to others. Um, yeah. And, and depending on really like what the intention is, you know, intention is everything, Um So if if the intention, starting yoga, the intention might be more of an external perspective, you know, but, but as the layers are peeled back as with willingness, then from there, the deeper elements of the practice start to come to the surface. And you, when you, you were talking about accountability, I think that this is something important for
0: people to know is you don't always have to come on your mat and have this like great internal experience. I Mm -hmm. think accountability is just that showing up. And maybe not having a great class, maybe Mm -hmm. not having a great experience and not putting that on a teacher or anybody else, but really owning that piece. Like, okay, I was external today. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and still radically accepting and loving yourself in that
0: time. So what's an internal practice for you? What does that look like?
1: How do you help students get there? Internal practice feels more connected to the breath. Um, there's a lot more awareness heightened in the, uh, subtleties of the practice, the energetics of the practice, uh, maybe feeling sensation in areas that you might not have felt sensation or feeling breath in areas of the body that maybe I hadn't felt breath in, in that area before. Um, and it feels very much like I'm not. Thinking about the end result, like yeah. think of like a, an inversion or something, right. like oh handstand. No, think about like the journey, the, the actual hop, and not mm-hmm. the actual landing. So that's the internal experience for me, just being fully present. It's its presence. Yeah, it's. I think of it like if I'm not thinking
0: about the next move, like you have to be that mentally disciplined to not think of okay, well even what's to come. That's why you have to be so disciplined in vinyasa to go inward mm-hmm. and not make it so okay what's the next thing what's the next thing because then we make our practice so what I would consider like mundane
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what am I
0: getting from this how am I getting something from this practice and really trying to experience each pose
1: yeah. as its own experience even if it's a breath yeah that takes a lot of discipline yeah and what I find is that a lot of what uh, I receive from the practice doesn't show up while you're on the mat you know and mm-hmm. it, it shows up later So when students come to your class, what kind of experience can they expect? Supportive, um, grounded, um, connected, and authentic, honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. True.
0: Good music. <laughs> good music. Yeah, G really likes. Good, yeah, that, that's really. That's very true. I feel like that's like what I I know of you too. It's like we used to go to movement. She's mm-hmm. like Casey. Okay, I have tickets for you. I'm like, okay. Where Where am I going in this place? This is huge. That's that's very funny. Yeah. So you know, I know that you um, maybe talk a little bit about your background. Yeah. Because let's step into. Uh, sort of a different field in reference to massage therapy and you know that sort of aspect of your life particularly talking about hands-on assist and touching
1: yeah yeah absolutely let's let's not
0: call it touching (laughs) when people called it touching in yoga it like irks me because you're not touching somebody you're assisting them right or, or educating them right touching would imply like
1: palpating yeah, yeah palpating uh, your uh, tissue yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. or just
0: like intimately doing something which yeah. you're not in a class yeah um so you know talk a little bit about your experience
1: with that and how do you bring that into your classes yeah um it's funny because when I first started teaching that was something that was a bridge that wasn't that I didn't really bridge the the gap yet between those two things um so you know my background in with with therapeutic touch and massage therapy um, there's a lot of extensive extensive training in like how someone can perceive touch, and that's why it's so important to be very like honest and direct and integral with your touch. Um, how so do you do that in the yoga room or in yeah. massage?
0: Yeah, in the yoga
1: room. But in the yoga room, sure. Well, I mean, for both, definitely yeah. creating a sense of stability and balance internally, or, or even if you're not balanced, just grounding. Whatever method of grounding that I need that day um tapping into that so that I know when I'm when I'm offering hands-on assist it's from the place of stability Mm. um yeah and I like hands-on assist to be informative it's not a correction you know it's it's a way to deepen and extend the practice a bit um and sometimes to to refine alignment but not in the sense of fixing um so how do you communicate that differently in your hands You know, like, how do you communicate a fix versus information through your hands? Well, it's that, the therapeutic touch versus, you know, I'm not trying to like aggressively maneuver the body, but more so direct a limb or direct muscular engagement. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll explain too, like I, I feel like our students really wanna learn. Yeah. So sometimes I'll tell them here, like let's lower this left hip down so that we can neutralize the pelvis. Just little examples, little snippets of information that helps them kind of understand the purpose of that assist.
0: Yeah, I mean the sequence of um, hands-on assisting really, well any assisting really is verbal first Mm -hmm. demonstration second hands-on last you know and I think sometimes people go in for the hands-on assist and then Mm -hmm. without the verbal cueing at all it's like you're not actually informing the student what the movement is because if they don't have that awareness they can't recreate that experience for themselves because that's part of it right you don't want When I grew up, assists were more about favoritism in the yoga room. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if they're assisting that person, they really like them. And That was like such a hit on my psychology as a young person. I mean, I was 10, 12, 15. And, you know, you would try to like do a pose so that the teacher would come around and help you. And that was their demonstration of and, you know, again, these weren't messages that I just made up. These Mm -hmm. were messages that I think were very well known of... I hope that they assist me because then they like me. Right. And that was one of the reasons for Shavasana Assist. I sort of have, um, unless you work with us, pretty much, If unless you're a teacher at Citizen or an employee at Citizen, I've removed that, not because they're bad, but because I don't really want students to know that I'm walking around helping certain people and not helping other people so that they don't take it as like there is a preferential relationship that I have to any one specific person. right. So in some ways like that's how I grew up with assist. We're like, okay, this was a demonstration of affection more than it was information. Mm. So they weren't that they weren't as objective.
1: Yeah, not very professional then. Well. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so,
1: <laughs> that's another day.
0: Yeah, we can't even talk All about another day. that. <laughs> yeah, that's not allowed. No. Nope. Um so when you when you talk about tissues, you know, I know you're doing a continued ed for our teachers yeah. around like how do you approach touch and what are you feeling for? Can you relate that to hands-on
1: assist or explain that a little bit more? Well, first it's a visual assessment. Um, Just from my familiarity of the body through body work and my practice primarily focused on postural alignment. That's the first thing that I'll look at, okay, visually, is there, is there an assist that I can, is there a way that I can assist, um, this student through my hands to allow them to either properly engage the muscle that'll really align the tissue, Mm -hmm. um, or maybe soften in some areas too. Um, so I, I really just want to offer like a supportive hands-on assist that brings that awareness to different parts of the body that maybe the student wasn't feeling sensationally in that moment. Like in the back of the calf, like some area of the body that you might not be really focused on. Right. Or maybe thinking about the shoulders. What happens,
0: I don't don't even know if you know this, but, you know, Anzamba and I were talking about how sensation precedes movement Mm -hmm. and how at times you have to touch something to get the thing to move or how our you know, sensation or awareness is an intelligence in the body. And there are obviously different areas in the body that you don't have intelligence in. Yeah. Like I really struggle to have intelligence in my rib cage. Like everything is like dumping all the time because that's yeah. my natural tendency.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, as a teacher, you know, what are you, I mean, I know that you also understand that, but what are you feeling for? Do you feel for a muscle that's contracted? Are you feeling for? How do you know something's overstraining? Is that too hard of a question? Not at
1: all. I don't. Um, it's not. Am a lot I scaring of, you right now? Asking my, you all these like hard
0: questions.
1: Um, with the yoga, it's not a for me personally. It's it's the assessment's visual, and then I'm guiding them. But I don't really. I'm not actually palpating the tissue when yes. I'm giving an adjustment. I'm more so like. You know, lightly bringing awareness to that area, whether it's to soften or to contract, and sometimes, most of the time, matched with a verbal cue that I would either share with the room or with the student personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the massage room, it's it's more feeling feeling the tissues. Indeed,
0: great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very um, hot topic and a very complex topic right now. Yeah. So um, when you when you think of yourself as a teacher, um, if you could list like two values that you hold um what what would they be I know that they align with citizens values but if you can think of two words that you know would be like okay this is Justina's
1: teaching I know you had said like accountability yeah authenticity authenticity yeah I really just want students to feel like they're authentic selves I don't want you to come in and try to be like anyone else but you and it's my duty to accept you in in, in all of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. And then another value, crap, I keep thinking of words that you already use. You can use that. Integrity. I yeah, mean, you can use sure. that Integrity. Integrity. I mean, just yeah. like being honest with yourself, you know, just, just I want to offer that to you because I'm doing that for myself. Great. You know, it's really important on and off the map. So when you, um, maybe you can talk about your because that's sort of, to
0: me, you stand for the things that you worked on in your life. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, that's that's it. Yeah. You're a teacher trying to teach the things that either you need to learn or that you have learned that you that have greatly transformed who you are. 100%. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your background and your journey to authenticity and your journey to integrity yeah. for, your, for yourself. That maybe is probably most likely very unrelated to teaching.
1: Yeah, definitely is. Um, Well, I mean, uh, I grew up uh, as an only child, single mom. and... Where did you grow up? In Windsor. I cool. grew up in I Windsor. Didn't know that. You didn't? Oh, Canada. <laughs> you haven't My heard home me say "native A- land."
0: to <laughs> Are you from Canada too? No, but I really like their national it's anthem. Great, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I don't know why mine is not theirs. <laughs> I don't know the American national anthem. Sorry. Okay, don't don't <laughs> admit that. No, I'm just kidding. You can admit anything you want. Um...
1: Uh. Um, yeah, so grew up in Windsor up until um, I was 13. So summer going into ninth grade, moved over to the U.S. I was terrified. I was like, Oh my gosh, they don't I, say a, and they have no fuzzy peaches or oh, my gosh, Henry's. those are the best. Yeah, no, you said that in class the other day. I was like, Oh my gosh, I love O'Henry.
0: You don't know what O'Henry is? It's a candy bar. Yeah, it's a chocolate bar.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I moved around a lot growing up, even in Canada, within Canada, in the U.S. So I was I was really challenged to in a sense, feel like I needed to redefine myself all the time. And, um, while I was growing out, growing up, I really just wanted to, to please other people. You know, I was moving schools almost every year and everybody had like their group of friends and and people and their consistencies that I didn't have. And at the time, like I, I felt like it was a detriment, but, but now I'm ever so grateful for that because it's taught me so much about inclusion. It's taught me so much about acceptance of the self and others. Um but yeah, so growing up I really just wanted to please others. I was I was a people pleaser. And I mean that really trailed on all all the way through to my mid 20s, you know. I just wanted to feel accepted and loved and I was looking for that outside of myself. And really, the tool of yoga taught me how to look inside for that um among other practices, but that you know, really is is where the truth lies. So um that's interesting. I mean, yeah. I think
0: that there's um one of my rules in life, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, is no friend groups. Mm-hmm. because if you have a friend group, it indicates that there are people outside of your group. And so, as an adult, i mean i've I've been left out of groups for mm-hmm. sure. And I think. It, being in groups of friends is hard for me because there's interesting dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand that we are taught to like fit in somewhere Mm -hmm. and like, who are your group of friends? And, you know, but sort of the freedom to just break that, like there's no boundary. Everybody's in. Yeah. And I think that's probably why we all get along at the studio is like,
1: yeah, the
0: lack of clickiness and, you know, yeah. who's friends with who mm-hmm. and that kind of pressure that we all feel mm-hmm. like, what if you just said, like, I don't have to have a specific group. I can right. have everybody that aligns with who I am. Yeah. But it's hard to train yourself out of that social pressure. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I need to have this circle. Right. Because having one circle means that there are people on the outside of your circle.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that lacks connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that my experience moving around so much allowed me to explore that without knowing how profound it would affect my life in the future. But I I really did bounce around a lot because I was finding myself at the time, trying to find myself so externally. Who, but who were you in... In who, high school,
0: in, who are you? In high school, who are you? In your twenties, who have you become now? Like, yeah, what were those stages? Lots of different people.
1: Oh, cool. I am a Libra. No, I um, am a Libra. <laughs> well, I'm an Aquarius, and so we get along very well. Yeah, we're a match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, in high school, I was definitely a chameleon, and that that trickled on into my twenties. So, um, since I was just trying to please others, and, and high school so intense and rigid. What were you? you, know, you? I was. What like, did you wear? Me? Yeah, what oh did my you gosh. wear? Okay, I need to know what your outfits were. Here's a visual. So I wore total, like, queer in the making. I wore baggy <laughs> jeans. <laughs> I had to move my mouth from the microphone <laughs> for that one. Baggy jeans with a studded seatbelt um, belt. Oh, cool. Seatbelt belt. That was rainbow. Oh, rainbow. O- obviously. Yeah. I had chucks that were signed by my favorite band members. I had band t-shirts. And then I wore them just short enough so the tops of my Hanes underwear would show. Oh, my God. And I had black hair with blue streaks. Everybody's laughing. (laughs) I love it. Black hair, blue streaks, braces.
0: You so had braces still? I
1: did. Oh, that's so tough. I did. I got them late. I got I was a late bloomer in many ways. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's that was the aesthetic. Okay, and so that's so high school. Everybody's like, you're weird. You're wearing all these weird clothes from Canada. And I'm like, whatever. So like all the kids that were partying were like, you can be friends with us. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So of course that led me in a, a direction that that wasn't the best at that time, but it taught me a lot of lessons. Sure. And um, so so after high school, um, in what my were early you wearing? 20s. What was I, I wearing? I love this. This is J- Justina's journey through her
0: outfits. <laughs> so what were you wearing in your, at 23,
1: four, Let me 25. Do, let okay, me let do 19 ranges. first. Let me do 19. Oh, 19. Oh, okay, you changed 19. that much.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. 19, I missed I've a got, um, pivotal year. <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. 19, I've got the shorts with the flip-flops. I've got the tank top, wife beater, um, short hair, yeah, that was like a more simple look. Something just like easy to bike around in around the city. Okay. And then after that it led into a lot of black. As you know, I was that's when I met you. I was wearing a lot of black. And it's funny, I black I like to wear from time to time, but my partner she'll she'll like wear black and is like, let's match. And I'm like, I don't know. When I wear black, it just associates me with like this past version of myself and I just can't. <laughs> It's very um, lots that's of black, good. lots of black, but um, yeah, and uh, sort of the same thing. I really just wanted to to be accepted and, and please others, and kind of came out of that with in, in unison with coming out mm-hmm. um, and really connecting to to who who I was, who I am, um, more so than who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So you can say that the theme of diversity and inclusion is sort of
0: a internal theme for you.
1: Yeah, I absolutely. know that we talked
0: about you know. Integrity and accountability mm-hmm. and, and and authenticity, mm-hmm. uh, but some of the words that you and I have talked about is the importance of diversity and inclusion. And it seems that that was obviously first an inner journey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know 100%. how how did that translate internally for you, and what made you more comfortable with yourself? Like what was that? I actually remember this. I feel like I've witnessed Justina coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I did literally, <laughs> literally. Um, but you know what what was that? Like, what was that change in who you are? What was that change in internal conversation that allowed for you to accept your own diversity that, it, yeah. that then made you more inclusive
1: of who you are? Right. Okay. So the diversity inclusivity, it really is rooted in like, um, even when I was younger, you know, even externally, cause in Canada it's diverse. I mean, I was shoulder to shoulder besties with people from literally all over the world, and when I moved to the U.S., I was like, "Whoa, why does each cultural background have their own lunch table?" I'm yeah. like, "This is weird, man." Mm-hmm. So that's something that I noticed right off the bat, and would kind of float around and bounce, you know, from table to table. Um, and then in my personal journey diversity in, and in feeling inclusive within myself, I really had to face that because I was like, damn, I feel like I'm doing all the quote unquote right things, but I feel, I don't feel full. Mm. You know, what I were feel those like right things? just whatever the culture around me, it, it was, what was it? Oh, um, pleasing, pleasing members of my family, pleasing those that were around me, friends or, or, or peripheral friends who I who at the time were my closer friends. Um, and I really had to sit with myself and say, why don't I feel full mm-hmm. when I come home from spending time with these people? Or why don't I feel supportive? Or why does this feel conditional? Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm like, okay, this feels good. This feels better when I step into my truth. And that truth could be spending time with someone that, you know is other people might be less familiar with or or spending time with someone for the purpose of them as a person and not status or whatever other crap we care about yeah early on um and as far as coming out I was really just kind of like living in in this mold that was shaped for me and I was doing what I should what I felt like I should be doing which Um, was what which was you know be with a, a man prepare for marriage and kids and house and job and You know, these sort of things that just weren't really like fulfilling for me because I'm like, what is the purpose behind this? Um, I mean, nothing against the guys. I had really wonderful relationships with men, truly. Yeah. Um, We still love him very much. Yes. Best friend. You know who you are. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... um, Yeah. So I I really had to say to myself, what feels right in my heart, follow along that path. And then universally, I feel like everything kind of shaped itself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that there is this internal accepting and you don't always have to be so public about it. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something interesting is we as a culture have taught people that when you sort of battle a demon and you overcome it, you have to like announce it to everybody Mm -hmm. for that that healing to occur And I actually feel so differently. Like there's so many parts of my life that, you know, you guys, you don't know about necessarily that were my own personal demons that I have overcome and I don't have to like publicly declare that for that to be healed. And I think that in some ways, you know, when you, when you came out, I was watching and you never said anything to me or, you know, nothing had to be spoken. I don't need a conversation and I don't need to talk about it to somebody else. It was your journey. Yeah. And you know, uh, Justina's wife happens to also be a citizen student (laughs) and they met at citizen (laughs) yoga. So it makes me very happy. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I, on my way in, I was thinking like, you know, my coming out story, what's my coming out story? I'm like. There really is no story. I was just like kind of surrendered, you know, I surrendered. Yeah. I mean, luckily I've, I've, I've gotten the support that I, I couldn't have only, I could have only dreamed of, Mm. honestly, um, from a familial and, and friendship perspective. Um, but yeah.
0: And, you know, I think, uh, something that we're doing at Citizen that actually Justina reached out to me independently to talk to me about it. Um, and it's something that people have brought up to us and talking about the yoga industry Mm -hmm. more as a white industry Mm -hmm. uh, let's just like say it out loud so that we're not afraid of saying somewhat of the truth yeah but how do we um make sure that citizen is honoring you know the support the inclusive the community that we really want to create you know and how do we do that and so um g had come to me a while ago asking like can i can i start these conversations in our community can we talk about how we are not just uh, we don't just include all races, but, yeah. you know, sexualities and, and
1: bodies, bodies. Yeah. And bodies,
0: particularly for me was sort of my mission. Yeah. I wanted to see that we had so much body diversity here. Yeah. Um, which I think we have done a, a really good job of. Yeah. Um, but we're starting a diversity and in, in inclusivity or inclusion board. Yeah. And maybe you can talk a little bit about why that's your passion and how you think we could do that in the yoga world. Cause I, I think people can take pictures of all different people,
1: mm-hmm. but how do
0: we actually do it at the ground level? Not just pretend that we're doing it because our website looks like it's diverse. Right. You know, that's <laughs> right. like what I think people hold us to. It's like here, pretend you have more diversity or pretend that there are all these people. We just want to be real and authentic and actually create it inside the studio which in detroit i I think we can do much better Mm -hmm. but i think we're on that we're 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 starting yeah so what what does that look like and why is it important how do we do this
1: big question sorry no that's okay um really i mean diversity is really important to me because i was around so much of it growing up and i saw the very evident difference between canada it's right there but it much different culturally and here. So I feel like naturally we're not really provided uh, or or culturally with like with the tools necessary or we're not really like encouraged to embody diversity. And that's why a lot of the movements in in our social justice rights are happening in this moment. But also living in Detroit for so long and watching it transform, Lived, moved to the city in 2007 and at the time I mean gee you wouldn't even walk around after five there'd be no one tumbleweaves in the middle of the street right there abandoned skyscrapers that I would just like climb up to take photos of with my friends for fun. I don't even think there's any left. We call it like the Wild West. It literally was. It was insane. And so a lot of the changes that are happening in the city are creating a lot of of tension between like city officials and residents and rightfully so. But, you know, a lot of like the the gentrification, quote unquote, that is happening like here or even in other cities, um, a lot of citizens feel that that it's pushing certain socioeconomic groups out of areas that were preoccupied, um, by them. And also, especially in yoga and, and in wellness in general, I feel like the wellness industry, um, like any other industry in America is something that can easily be, and has been capitalized off of by, you know, industries, major industries in different ways or influencers, etc. Um, so that's why it's really, I feel like it's really important to, to spread the message that this is not just for what, ads or marketing show you that it shows it to potentially look like um and also just my own individual feelings Of feeling isolated as someone just from Canada but I mean just coming from Canada to the U.S. and people make fun of making fun of my accent or my clothes or whatever and just feeling like I didn't have a safe space in my own body and that's minimal compared to what other people go through so I really want other individuals to feel like they have access to to the message that yoga is is trying mm-hmm. to spread especially citizen yoga with the the focus on mental health awareness because it's not just for one type of person
0: right so how do how do what are some real yeah she's she's sweating now she just got hot because she's passionate i
1: got fired up yeah she got really <laughs> fired up
0: but you know how, what, what do what can we do or what, what will be your focus? And you know, you're not sure. She told me she wasn't sure before this, but maybe, you know, being in the conversation um, has clarified something, but is there something that you see we could do better? Is there something that we already do that we need to express that we do? Because I think sometimes we do a lot of really good stuff and maybe
1: people don't know about it. A few ideas that just come to the top of my head. I mean, maybe, a community class that's open to those that aren't members. Yep. Um. So like if it's not to say like, oh, if you already have a membership, you can't come to this class, but kind of, because you can already come to the other classes. So right. maybe a community class that's either free or a very low drop-in rate or donation-based. Um, to to be able to embody, um, you know, other types of individuals that might not be able to afford a membership. Um, Also, perhaps a class that really embodies um, different types of backgrounds or or for people of color, specifically since Detroit is primarily um, people of color. I, I would love to see a lot more diversity in that realm. So. Um, perhaps if there is um, someone that could lead a class um, mm. that would be specific um, for individuals of color to feel like they have a safe space within our mm-hmm. space. Yep. Um, and keeping the conversation active Yep. Um, and really lit- hearing out the community, li- trying to listen and hear out the community more. In what ways? I don't know. I'm still thinking about that myself. And I'm going to meet Yeah, with Alyssa after this and talk a little bit more about that, which I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that you yourself embody a lot of the values of, you know, we talked about being diverse inside yourself and being more inclusive. And I think that it's also a self-journey for people to feel included.
1: Yeah. Um, And it's also an external journey of us working hard to be inclusive. A hundred percent. It definitely, and I think that that's something that, um, comes, you know, to the surface when we're we're doing our work internally at, at Citizen and, and find that it might not work for everybody because it is an internal Process. experience, essentially, yeah. Another way I try to embody a little bit of diversity in the room, too, is through music, yeah. you know, a little... I, I try to, like, highlight different artists that might not be um, as well-known or artists with different cultural backgrounds. Honestly, I think last month I was like, I'm not playing one song by an artist from America. Cool. <laughs> and I had so much fun with that, and, and students loved it. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we so we do have community classes. We don't have one in mm-hmm. Detroit anymore.
0: Um, we have them in Royal Oak and Bloomfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, maybe we'll bring our community class back on the schedule in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, So
1: where do you teach? Which studios do you teach at? When do you teach? Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) The studio Uh, is seven minutes from my house, which is really convenient, but doesn't mean I don't want to teach elsewhere, of course. (laughs) Um, That's just how it's panned out. So I'm in Detroit on Mondays, lunchtime, 12.15 to 1, um, and then 8 p.m. Restore. That's always a really nice one. Um, And then I am there on Thursday morning, 7 a.m., And then on Thursday afternoons, 4.45, and then Sunday mornings at 8.30. Awesome. I never thought... Five years ago or before I'd ever teach a Sunday morning, 8.30 class. But you're like pumped what? up. Yeah. Sunday morning? I'm still awake. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren thought uh, it was funny. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, 8.30, it's one of my
0: faves. Well, gee, <laughs> thank you so much for thank being you. here. I feel like, you know, we got definitely a window into, you know, who you are as a teacher, who you are as a person. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that you're in my life. and Likewise. So real and, you know. It was beautiful to watch your journey into yourself, really.
1: Thank you.